Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 45 of the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast with me, your host and certified life coach, Katrin Bernd. As you listen to this podcast and you go through your own journey of learning about thought work, mind management, and emotional processing in order to enjoy your relationship more, it's easy to start thinking that there's so much that you don't know. There are so many skills you need to learn that you don't have any experience with at all. And that realization can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming. So... In this episode, I want to show you that a lot of the things that I talk about and the skills that I describe are things you actually do know how to do in one way or another. They're not completely new to you. You just haven't started applying them specifically in your relationship or on the specific struggles that you're currently facing. I'll go through some examples that often come up in the sessions with my clients and the little aha moments that they have when they realize that they are more familiar with the tools than they might think. The first example is feeling a strong urge to go through your partner's phone. You might not want to do it intellectually, but when the opportunity presents itself and the urge becomes too strong, you give in to it and before you know it, you're going through their DMs and the likes on their Instagram. If this is something that you struggle with, it's not uncommon that the compulsion feels out of your control. You might be aware of what you're doing in the moment, but the option of not doing it just doesn't seem realistic at all. You have to check their phone. No one is going to find out about it, so it's harmless, right? But it's not entirely true that it is out of your control and that you just can't help yourself. Because somewhere, even you draw the line of what you think is acceptable to do. We might think that all of us should draw the line at never ever going through our partner's phones. That's fine to think, but it doesn't reflect reality for a lot of grumpy girlfriends. Some do draw the line there and would never go through their partner's phone. Some draw the line at peeking at their phone screens while they're sitting next to them. And some draw the line at unlocking the phone and going through it. What's so interesting is that if you do have a habit of going through your partner's phone and digging around and all of that, you might think that you have no limits. That you haven't drawn the line anywhere because going through their phone is like going the whole way to the end station. But that is far from true, my friend. I want you to reflect over where you actually do draw the line. Because wherever you draw the line is really important information. It shows that you have actually made a decision about what is acceptable behavior that you will choose to engage in and what you have chosen not to. For example, you might go through their phone, but... Would you message girls from your partner's account to see what they reply? 
would you ever create a fake account and start sending nudes to your partner to see what they do? Would you ever hire an actor to start flirting with your partner during a night out? I'm sure you might think that these examples are a bit exaggerated, but that's just evidence of you actually having a line for yourself that you do not feel comfortable crossing. If you can find that, you can acknowledge that the skill of not doing something, even if the opportunity has presented itself, is a skill you already possess. And if you want to stop checking their phone, you're going to have to move that line a bit and use the same thought patterns that stop you from crossing the line where it is now to start thinking of checking their phone as crossing a line as well. Because the only reason you're willing to check their phone, while another girlfriend would never choose to do that, is because of what you're thinking, what you're making it mean, how your brain is justifying it to yourself, and also your probably pretty low capacity to feel the discomfort of worry, curiosity, the urge that comes up when you that makes you want to check without actually acting on it. Now, let's take a look at another example that kind of ties into this first one. And that is not being able to stop yourself from lashing out at your partner and perhaps you scream at them or you cause some kind of scene. When you're feeling really intense emotions that are very uncomfortable in your body and your brain is just screaming at you to fight, 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 you choose in that moment to let it all out and react to it. And you might think that you can't control yourself, that it just happens and it's really, really hard to stop. When my clients have children, I always like using them as an example. But if you don't have children of your own, you can replace them with maybe a pet or someone else's child. So I always ask if their children ever make them absolutely crazy and if they ever feel an extremely intense urge to scream at them, or maybe even an urge to hurt them in some way. I know this topic can feel pretty like shameful and taboo, but I've spoken to so many parents and they've all said that yes, sometimes they have felt the urge to take their anger and frustration out on their children. And as a dog owner myself, I know that I have felt the urge to take my anger out on my dog as well. I think it's pretty normal to feel that inside. The point here is that most of us don't act on it. And yes, there are parents who do act on it, who cross that line and harm their children. And there are pet owners who cross that line too and harm their pets. So if you're one of those people, this example won't necessarily apply to you. Uh, But my guess is that you do have self-control when it comes to children or pets or other people's children. There is that line that you won't cross. And you probably haven't even had to make a conscious choice about not doing it. It's just programmed into you that you would never do something like that. So 
you lashing out at your partner when you feel really intense emotions just means that you have not drawn a line there. This is behavior that you somewhere in your mind find acceptable and that you can justify to yourself. It's not a hard no for you, like it might be to harm children or harm animals. But you do have the skill to control yourself. You can control and manage your reaction and how you treat others. You just have to understand that it's the thoughts you think about it that is either stopping you from doing it or allowing you to actually cross the line and do it. There is no external force in the universe protecting kids or animals from your violence and rage. The only thing protecting them and stopping you from taking it out on them is your brain, your thoughts about it, what you make it mean. And the only reason why you're allowing yourself to maybe treat your partner in a way that you intellectually do not want to do is because you're not managing your mind and being intentional about what you want to think about that kind of behavior. You're leaving it up to your primitive mind in the heat of the moment, and that allows you to engage in that kind of learned behavior that you intellectually do not approve of or like. Before we go on to the next example, I want to add a little word of caution here. When it comes to behavior that we feel ashamed of or we think that we shouldn't be doing, it's very easy to just go deep into a shame spiral about it. Start beating ourselves up for acting that way and hoping that that will help us change somehow. Shame is never going to help you change your behavior. I want you to start being intentional about how you act and I want you to be more disciplined with what you allow your brain to think and what you allow it to talk you into doing. But I never want you to confuse that with hating yourself, judging yourself, or treating yourself like shit along the way. If you shame yourself for how you act... You're not going to want to look closely at it. You're not going to want to examine it, study it, or learn from it. When you make a mistake and give in to the behavior, and you feel shame about that and you beat yourself up, you're going to want to sweep it under the rug and run in the opposite direction. And that does not allow you to learn anything from it. Instead, I want you to get curious about it. Really try to be open and hold space for yourself as you go through the process of changing your thoughts. Because if you can be curious about where you're currently drawing the line and why, and then use that information to draw new lines for yourself and then practice sticking to those, you are going to get the results that you want. The next example is for anyone who has experienced panic attacks or anxiety attacks in their life, especially if you have experienced it rather frequently and you know how to handle it and how to soothe yourself while it's happening. 
if you're not familiar with anxiety attacks or panic attacks, you might be able to substitute in some kind of a phobia or some fear that you have. Maybe it's needles, for example, getting your blood drawn at the hospital. If you ever have gone through that and you've felt that intense fear inside of you, but you managed to get through it, you might be able to relate to this um, this part of the episode as well. So when a panic attack happens, there's not much you can do about it in the moment. Most of the techniques and tools that you learn are aimed at writing it out and breathing through it rather than trying to make it go away. Because as you might know, if you try to make a panic attack go away, it'll just get more and more intense and it will get just bigger and bigger and bigger and everything will get worse. That's why you kind of have to release the rope and let go and just soothe yourself and reassure yourself that you are safe. Just ride it out, feel it in your body, and breathe. If you know how to do this, then you know how to process and feel emotions in your body without reacting to them or trying to make them go away. What's so interesting is that people who experience panic attacks have this amazing skill in their toolbox, but they aren't aware that it can be applied to literally any feeling in the entire world. And the reason it can be difficult to understand is because panic attacks and anxiety attacks, they don't really give you a choice. The attack doesn't come knocking on your door and they say like, Either we do this, or we can just not do it. (laughs) It's there, and once it's there, you just have to buckle up and enjoy the ride. Other emotions, however, are not as intense and overwhelming. They do leave some room for choice. Because as human beings, we have become masters at buffering away our emotions. If we feel something we don't want to feel... We've been taught thousands of ways of getting rid of it. Food, sex, exercise, social media, Netflix, and so on. We have been taught to get rid of negative emotions as much as possible. But when a panic attack happens, none of that works. The body is literally telling you to sit down, shut up, and listen. And I want to encourage all of you to start changing the way you think about all the other emotions that you experience as well. I want you to stop seeing all of them as optional and that you can just get rid of them for now and hope for the best. (laughs) Because the intense negative emotions that are all a part of the human experience, they're all very patient. They will wait for you until the day you're ready to go through them. Going around never works. They're always going to keep showing up. So next time you feel something intense, try to apply the same tools that you use if you do experience panic attacks. Soothe yourself, love on yourself, Allow yourself to be in the moment and remind yourself that you're safe and that this experience can't harm you as long as you open up to it and breathe. 
Another really interesting example is one that I talk about with my clients who are spiritual or religious in some way. They might believe in a god or in some kind of being in the universe that has their back. One thing that a lot of beliefs have in common is that there is some kind of being somewhere that loves unconditionally. No matter what, this deity of some sort loves you and sees your worthiness and value. It never doubts if it loves you, and it doesn't care if you're good or bad, do well or not. The love that being has for you is still there. And you might think that the lesson to be learned here is to just love more, (laughs) spread love all around, and sure, that's nice and all, but the most interesting lesson this concept offers those who believe is the lesson of all beings 100% lovability and worthiness. All beings on the planet are worthy and lovable just for existing. Nothing they can say or do can ever take that away from them. Because this deity has the ability to love all as equals, no matter what. That must mean that we are all lovable and worthy of that love. So not only does it show that you are 100% lovable and worthy as you are, no matter how much you want to argue with that, it also shows that all other people in your life, including your partner, are lovable and worthy just as they are too. And if you, for some reason, struggle to love yourself or another person in your life because of what they do or don't do, that's not evidence of your or their lacking worthiness or lovability. It's actually evidence of your lacking ability to love. If you're not able to love It's your ability that is flawed, not the person or the thing you're trying to love on. If you struggle to love yourself, that is not because you are not lovable. It's because you might not be very good at loving. This deity that you believe in loves you 100%. And it wouldn't be able to do that if you weren't 100% lovable. So if you love yourself 30%, then you just need to get better at loving. You do not have to increase your worth or lovability. It's kind of like going to the gym and trying to pick up a super duper heavy dumbbell and you struggle to pick it up. And because you struggle to pick it up, you think that this dumbbell is not very pick <laughs> Just because your muscles are not strong enough to pick it up, you blame it for not being able to be picked up. And that's just not true. Because there's this other person at the gym who can go and pick it up because their muscles are stronger. The same goes for loving. You need to work out your ability to love Instead of focusing so much on the thing, whether it's yourself or someone else, 
that you're trying to love. Because that thing is already 100% lovable, whether your muscles are strong enough to pick it up or not. And learning how to love better is a skill that is way easier to learn than learning how to be more worthy or how to make your partner more lovable and worthy in order to make your job of loving them easier. It's like you're kind of trying to make the dumbbell at the gym lighter instead of just working out your muscles in order to lift it. So if you can believe in something or someone's ability to love all beings unconditionally, And that shows you where in your life you need to get better at loving. And perhaps you can take some inspiration from whomever you believe in and see how you can apply that to your own life. And for all of us who are not spiritual or religious, this applies to us too. Even if we don't believe that there's someone out there who loves all of us the same, I want you to consider this. What would be the downside of believing in everyone's complete 100% worthiness and lovability, even your own? And what could be the possible upside to believing in something like that? How would you show up differently in the world if you believe that to be true? We always get to choose to believe in anything we want. So why not choose to believe the things that make our lives better? What I hope that you have taken away from this episode is the perspective that you're already being successful in certain areas of your life. You already have lines you won't cross. There are thoughts that you won't even consider thinking of and believing to be true. Your brain has decided that your partner cheating on you with a coworker is reasonable but them cheating on you with their cousin is not. Notice how your brain just makes up all of these rules of what to look out for, what to do, how to manage life, and what to completely let go of and not worry about. You already have the skills of thinking thoughts that serve you. You're just not applying those same thoughts to the situations that you're currently struggling with. So... Start paying attention to these things. Notice what you struggle with and ask yourself why. Not only why do I struggle with this, but also why don't I struggle more? Why don't I freak out about my partner having dinner with their cousin? Why don't I hire an actor to flirt with my partner? Why don't I choose to stab my partner with a knife when I get angry? Don't dismiss all of your existing limits and all the ways that you do control yourself as, oh, it's obvious, or that would just be ridiculous, I would never do that. Because there is so much you can learn about what you think and believe when you do examine those parts. And then you can start applying those same beliefs to other areas as well. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. And don't forget to go to my website, katrinband.com, and watch my free three-part video series about why we become grumpy girlfriends, why it's so hard to stop, and what needs to happen in order for you to stop without using force, willpower, or bottling up your true emotions. 
katrinbernd.com. I'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.